Welcome to the Wilton Baptist Church, where we worship God, walk with others, and win people to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Pastor Steve, and our congregation is pleased to share this message with you today, and we pray it'll be a blessing and an encouragement to you. Blessings as you listen or watch. So let's go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13. A lot of college students will be disappearing the next few weeks, and some have already left, and others today and the next couple weeks. And so let's be praying for each of them. And then before you know it, school will be here. There's a lot to do for a lot of people. So uh, hang in there. Keep it up. Stay energized and fresh in uh, reading the Bible and staying close to the Lord. Matthew 13, snapshots of Jesus and his kingdom. And what a title for a message, the end of the world. And it's actually found in our passage here today. Years ago when I was young, we were on the farm and I was driving a tractor. We had disked the soil. We were putting in two or three acres of Silver Queen. That's that really tasty Silver Queen corn that I told you about. It tastes just as good as candy. If you get it when it's young and not really big kernels, it just tastes like candy. You can eat it right off the cob, not even cooking it. It's just really good. So we were putting in a couple acres of that corn, and I was the, I was the guy maybe 13 years old, driving a tractor. I was putting it in the rows. So I was hoeing the rows with the plow, four or six wide, so there'd be different, basically like a lane where you'd put the seed in. People were coming after me with the seed, and I was, I was doing the, the, uh, the driving of the tractor. And we had dusted the soil, and I was just a young driver of tractors at the time, and I remember trying to keep that tractor going straight because of all the discs in the soil, the big tires on that medium-sized tractor really were kind of moving a little bit. I didn't know how to negotiate that, so uh, I remember my uncle was looking at that like, uh, wow, we got some crooked rows, and that year we had some crooked rows of corn, wavy, right down through Right, right down through there. You know, it still grew, grew just fine, but just a lot different time for harvest time. Didn't look too good. In our passage, there's another agricultural or farming parable that Jesus gives. Parables are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. That's really just a great way to understand what parables are. And so... Um, We'll find this passage here right in the middle of chapter 13. Now, farmers, when they go to plant seed, they buy premium seed. They get the best seed of whatever they, they are going to plant. They dust the soil. They prepare the field. And usually when they plow those rows and get ready to insert the seed, and some of it's mechanical, of course, today, not just people throwing it in, but sometimes they also have people or machines putting in some, uh, some fertilizer. And the, the corn, if you're putting corn in or whatever the seed is, it likes that fertilizer. It has that right uh, potassium and, and uh, nitrates and different things in it that the soil needs. And in addition to the seed liking that nutrition, weeds like that nutrition as well. How many of you are, are part-time gardeners or you're gardening in your backyard? Anybody gardening? Okay. If you haven't done it already, if you hadn't started to pull weeds, it's probably too late. 
<laughs> if you hadn't been staying up on top of that, I've been there. I know what you're, what you're going through. If, if it looks like whatever you planted is choking out, that's why. It's something that you stay up on or else uh, it'll just choke it out. No matter what you're planting, if it's tomatoes or corn or, or pumpkins or anything like that. There's a lot of work that we may do to minimize weeds. As Jesus gives us this parable, that's the story. There's some good seed, and then there's some weeds. When it starts to sprout up, you can't even tell the difference until the fruit is start to uh, be growing on that, uh, those sprouts. So here we are, Matthew 13, beginning in verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven, there's our phrase again, the kingdom of heaven, is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. So this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's a similar thing. He's using this as an illustration in this parable. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. So now you have good seed and you have weeds. That's what tares are. But when the blade starts to sprout, was sprung up, and brought forth fruits, then appeared the tares also. That's when they could differentiate and start to tell. Once the fruit starts to come up, and you can tell what it really is. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? And from whence then hath the tares? You bought premium seed. Why is all the weeds in this? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? Let's get the weeds out of here. But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye roots up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. You think about the different uh, farming grains that we are familiar with in the world today. Sometimes it's hard to tell weeds from the grass. Just think about your lawn for just a little bit. You know, your grass in your yard is, is in, essentially is what a wheat, wheat is. Wheat and rye and barley, all of that, it's a grass. It's a type of a grass. It's all in the same genus of, uh, of species, I guess you could say. And so... Um, there's different variety in the grass family. Wheat, maize, uh, rice, barley, oats, corn is maize there, and all of those. And when, the, when they start to grow, until they start to really come up, you can't really tell the difference. And weeds are very similar to that. And that's the parable that Jesus is giving us. Now, he also gives us an interpretation of this, because he says, don't in the parable, don't pull up the weeds because you may injure or harm or pull up the wheat. So you uh, gardeners at home, it may be too late. You may destroy your plant. All right, so let's go, go on to the explanation then. Notice in verse 36. Then Jesus went or sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares in the fields. You remember last week we talked about him going into the house. And so he gives several parables, and he goes into a house. He gets away from everyone to explain the parable, just like last week's parable that we looked at as well. I believe uh, 
as you look at Matthew here, this is not necessarily in sequential order. He gives all these parables, and then they go into the house, and then he explains the parable like the one we, we looked at last week, the sower and the seed, and then they ask him again the question here uh, about the tares and the wheat. And so let's continue then. He answered and said unto them, all right, they want to know, why are you talking in parables? What does this one mean? Declare unto us, he said, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. That's the word cosmos, cosmos. It's talking about this sphere, this globe, this earth that we're on. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. Now, that's a real contrast for you. Here's uh, the king, and here's an anti-king, if you would, uh, the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. The word world here, the phrase end of the world, that word is not the word cosmos. It's a different word. It's the word aeonos. Aeonos, it means a space in time or an age. For example, if we were talking about the, uh, the end of the medieval era, the end of the medieval world that happened a long time ago. That would be the way that we would use that same word. So he's talking about an end of a world, the way things are, is how that could be understood. And then he goes on, as therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity. There's that word offend. The last three weeks, Jesus talks about, as we looked at these parables in this kingdom of heaven, he talks about offense, offending. It's that word scandalon again, and it means to bait, to trap, to cause, to trip, or to stumble. So people who are causing others to trip up and stumble, and those who do iniquity, that, that word means uh, sin, wrong, evil, you could say practicing lawlessness. They're practicing lawlessness. They're anti-God, against the Lord, and against anything that's true. And then he says that they will cast them, these angels then will cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Listen up, Jesus says, to this important parable and the meaning of it. Now, we know the end, but we don't know when. We know the end, but we don't know when. We know what's going to happen. We know what will be taking place in the world. In this period that Jesus is speaking of, between his rejection, and he's already been rejected, that's when he begins to talk about the kingdom of heaven. He came into his own, his own received him not. Then he starts to talk about the kingdom of heaven. And between that time and his return to this earth, uh, we, we find he gives some information. He reveals a mystery like we identified last week. And these parables are revealing part of that mystery of what the time and what things will be taking place. Now, this age that he's speaking of that will come to an end is broader, includes the church age that we're living in. The church did not begin until, uh, you could say, the day of Pentecost. I think that Jesus uh, began the church. And you can also say, some people say it concludes at the rapture. 
and the church age. The church age ends at the rapture. Then there's seven years of tribulation, and then Jesus comes back to earth and sets up his millennial kingdom. So there could be some uh, variation as to how to understand what he's talking about, the end of this world as we know it, or the end of, of time as we know it, or the end of everything that would be in Revelation chapter 20, and then the next chapter, Jesus makes a new heaven and a new earth. I'm going to run with that because I believe that's what happens because of Revelation chapter 20, that this is the end of all things on this earth. So out of this kingdom, he says out of this kingdom, it does not necessarily imply that these sons of the evil one were in God's kingdom. They were in the earth because the field is the world. So that's what that's speaking of. And it's also important to understand that both this good seed and the tares, some people would call them the darnells, that's what they would call it back then, the darnells or the uh, tares, are sown in the world. They're not sown in the kingdom, nor are they sown in the church. They're sown in this world, in the present day in which we're living at. And so with that in mind, uh, let's consider this idea of the end of the world. Have you heard people talk about the end of the world in the last year, two, three years, the end of the world? Well, a lot of things have changed, certainly. One-third of cults in the world back before the year 2000, uh, one-third of all cults in the world said the, the earth is going to end or the world's going to end in the year 2000. They were off a little bit, I guess. <laughs> Uh, also, many read the Mayan calendar. Have you ever read this? History Channel put stuff out on this, maybe Discovery even. Uh, the Mayan calendar from the Mayans, and they said the world would end in 2012. All right, here we are 10 years later. They didn't read that calendar right. And those are all false things anyway. God has a timetable. We don't know that timetable Satan doesn't know that timetable. The angels don't know the timetable. We don't know the timetable. And in fact, Jesus said only the Father knows the timetable. So we know the end, but we don't know when. Let me give you the players of this parable in verses 37 through 39. There's the Son of Man, that's Jesus. He's the King of the kingdom. There's the field, that's this earth that we are living in. There's the good seed, that's the children of the king. That would be those who are born again, having trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They believe the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They've confessed their sin to God. They've asked Jesus to forgive them, and they have trusted him for their eternal salvation. They're not working for salvation. They're not joining the church for salvation. They're not baptized or having a creed for salvation. They are trusting the finished work of Jesus Christ. They are born again Christians, spiritually born again through the finished work of Christ, by grace through faith. So that's the good seed. Then there's the bad seed the tares. We use the word weeds today, and they are children of the evil one, the Bible says. They are children of the anti-king, the one who is the enemy of the king, the one who is the enemy of God. Did you know there's a Bible passage that says that before we trusted Christ, if, you're, if you are a Christian, that you were already living as children of the, of the one who is disobedient, or you're children of the devil already? I mean, that's how we're born. We're already not sons of God because of our human nature. We sin, we choose to sin. We're born with sin. 
And so there's bad seed that tears children of the anti-king. And then there's the enemy. That's the devil, the Satan himself. Uh, he's the anti-king. The harvest is the end of the world, this age that we're living in. And then the reapers are the angels of God. And they do play a role at the very end of everything we'll find in another passage. This term, son of God, uh, sometimes you'll see that. And Jesus also uses the phrase son of man. And so this is an important phrase that he is talking about here. He says in verse 37, the son of man. This is the favorite designation of Jesus. Whenever he refers to himself, sometimes he says son of God. Sometimes he says son of man. He uses son of man more to indicate and to identify with us as humanity. That shows great humility on the part of Christ because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, God in the flesh. But that's his favorite designation. And you find that in Matthew quite a bit as well. Matthew is all about the king, and it's written to the Jewish people so that they they know he is the king that they have been looking for. But he's not so interested in the earthly realm as he is the eternal and the heavenly kingdom. When Jesus came, the, the people said, kingdom now, kingdom now. But he had something different and better in mind than just right now. There's two kingdoms and two kings. There's the heavenly kingdom and the earthly kingdom. The heavenly kingdom is happening right now. I mean, it's in heaven. It's not here. (laughs) It's in heaven. And so it's corresponding with our time in this earthly realm that we're living in right now. You see, the earthly kingdom is not enduring. What we are experiencing is not forever, but that's forever. Eternity is forever. There is an end to this physical earth that God speaks of often in the scripture. Now, if God is the king, Jesus is the king in this passage, and he is, and Satan is the anti-king, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that he has a kingdom because his kingdom is not enduring, but the Bible does say that he is a prince. Satan is described as a prince in Ephesians 2, verse 2. Wherein, in time past, he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Remember being children of disobedience I mentioned a moment ago. And so here's Satan. He's working in this earth as the prince of the power of the air, uh, of all the uh, angelic and satanic and things that we don't even see and sometimes do not understand. I mean, he is at work in this world today. And sometimes we see it manifested in real life, in what people are doing, the way that things are. And so what's the purpose of this parable? Jesus explains why and how the world is what it is and how to all turn out. If you have ever wondered why in the world are things so bad and why are things so terrible on this earth, Here's the reason why. There's a lot of weeds with a lot of good seed. That's it. That's it. And so he's explaining to us the why and the how and then how it all turn out. Here's the postscript. And I love this postscript in verses 40 through 43. This is part of our primary teaching for today because in verse 40, as therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. 
the Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in their kingdom of their Father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So here's a postscript of this. We have the wheat and the weeds are separated at the harvest. The children of God's kingdom, they enjoy being with God. And in fact, as we read that passage that I just read, they, they are like shining. They're shining as the sun because they are with the sun. They are with the son of God and the brightness of God is shining upon them because God is their God and forever we as Christians will be dwelling with him. And so it's a, a beautiful day to be with the Lord. But children of the anti-king, children of the bad seed of Satan, are cast into the lake of fire, where there's weeping, gnashing of teeth, wailing, like the passage describes here as well. Judgment for those who reject Jesus. There's joy for those who accept Jesus, who believe and express that faith to him, there's great joy, but there's judgment for those who say, no, I'll live my life without Jesus. I, I'll save myself, or I don't believe there's a God, or I don't care about heaven and hell. There's a judgment for them. Listen to these verses, Revelation 20, verse 10. The devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and frost false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Some people say, well, why in the world did God make hell? Hell was created for the devil and his angels. And here in the end, Revelation 20, just read it sometime. It's very riveting what's going to take place. And we find that those who are deceiving Satan and his beast and the false prophet, they're tormented day and night forever and ever. But it doesn't stop there. The next several verses in chapter 20, verse 14 through 15, in death and hell... This is interesting. Death and hell are cast into something a lot larger. It's called the lake of fire. Death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. But listen to this phrase. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. How do you get your name written in the book of life? You express faith believing the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. You accept his payment on your behalf, and God accepts you into his eternal kingdom. He forgives you of your sin. If you've not trusted Christ, your name is not yet written in the Lamb's book of life, if the name's not found there. So it's so important to trust Christ today while you can. Believe the gospel. Don't wait. Don't wait. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 and 23, many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Then in Matthew 8, 12, but the children of the kingdom, this is talking about the earthly kingdom, shall be cast into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This idea of this judgment here, this is, is uh, enduring. It's enduring, and it's painful. It's separated from God. It's a terrible, dark place. Hell, death are cast 
into the lake of fire. Now, here's the plan of the parable. I'll give you kind of a timeline. A timing of this parable. So there's a church age, and in capital letters there, now, now. This is happening now. So think about this. This parable is happening right now because there's good growing and evil growing all at the same time. There's people coming to faith in Christ and people saying no to Jesus every single day. And so the church age is what we're living in right now. When the rapture takes place, that's number two. That's the next thing in God's prophetic calendar that we're waiting for, listening for the trumpet. And we're lifting up our eyes. We're looking for Christ to come back for us at any moment for those who are believers in Jesus. Then there's the tribulation. That's seven years of judgment on this earth. Then there's the second coming. That's when Jesus actually touches down on the Mount of Olives. At the rapture, we meet him in the clouds, but at the second coming, he touches down on the Mount of Olives, the earthquakes, and he walks into Jerusalem uh, after the battle of Armageddon where he speaks and all the enemies fall down who've gathered following Antichrist. And all those enemies fall down dead, and then he sets up his millennial kingdom. That's 1,000 years. That's a 1,000-year reign of Christ on this earth. And then Satan's released at the end of that 1,000 years. It's amazing if you read Revelation 18, 19, and 20. Look at how all the timeline of events and things are taking place there. And he'll lead one final rebellion, and at the end of all of that, I believe that's what Jesus is speaking of, at the end of all of that, there's a final judgment. We know this to be called the great white throne judgment. And even those who did good things and try to live a good life and things like that, he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. Because they said no to Jesus by grace. We're saved by grace through faith. And then the Bible says that the heaven and earth will be dissolved. It's going to burn up. You know, people talk about the earth and the environment and things like that. Whether, whether, no matter what your view on that is, the Bible already says it's all going to burn up anyway. It's going to be supernatural. It's nothing we could do, by the way. It's not something that you could say is natural even because it's, it's specifically called judgment. When the earth is dissolved, when it all burns up, it's specific at this time frame here. You can look at the next chart if you would. Uh, it's very specific that it's God judging the earth, and he's going to start all over. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So no matter what people say, it is all going to burn up at some point because God said so. So we know the end. We just don't know when. <laughs> this is all just leading up to our message. This is just... <laughs> This, all good preaching has to have teaching in it. Otherwise, you don't know what's happening, really. You have to have understanding of what these terms are and timelines and what words mean. So all that's just teaching to lead up to this. The principles of this parable. Planting is happening every day. Planting. There's seeds going in the ground, in the soil of this earth. I'm talking in the hearts and lives of people every single day. Some people will believe the gospel. Yes, I can't save myself. I can't work for salvation myself. My good works don't measure up to God. I'm separated from God because of my sin. I can't get there by myself, and I need him. And I am humbly admitting and confessing my need to believe Jesus and Jesus alone for my salvation. Would you please forgive me and save me? There are people who are trusting Christ alone for salvation. They're being born again. Then there are others who maybe they have good intent. And they're like, well, I'm just living a good life, and I don't really know about this Bible thing. And maybe, maybe Jesus is the way, but I don't know. I believe there's a God. The devils believe there's a God, and they tremble. There's a difference between believing there's a God 
and believing that Jesus is the Son of God who resurrected and is alive to save you from your sin. There's a big difference. So there's other people who are, are good, they're religious, they're moral, things like this, but they've not yet trusted Christ. Then there are others like, I hate God, I hate God. How can you hate something that you say doesn't exist? I, it's something, I, it's kind of antithetical. I don't always understand that, but you have people like that as well, or others just like, I don't care, there's no heaven, there's no hell, we're just here. I, I, some famous actor, actress died a couple days ago, and her son said, I hope that she can now enjoy, um, what, what was his expression? He said, he said, eternal freedom. Eternal freedom, like she's just kind of floating around out there or something. And I felt so sad about that because that's totally not what the Bible teaches. So you have people that believe a lot of different things over here, and they're not all necessarily trying to be against God. Some of them are, but they haven't yet trusted Christ. They need to believe the gospel. So there's seeds being planted every single day. Some will embrace naturalism or atheism or evolution or some false religion, but both seeds planting is happening. Now, Satan, he is trying to overthrow the attempt of God to plant the seed where people would actually trust Christ. But we know that this is happening every single day. While Satan's trying to advance his kingdom as the prince, Jesus is advancing his kingdom. That's why we talk about missions and sharing the gospel and inviting people to church and giving tracts and sharing Bible verses with people. Now, both good and evil are growing. You know this to be true. There's so much evil and corruption, corruption everywhere all around us. Why is the earth so evil and getting worse? Have you asked that question recently? Have you thought it, at least in your mind? I mean, it seems like things are getting worse. If people who believe in evolution say, you know, mankind's getting better, why isn't it really getting better? It's not really getting better. Why are people so mean? Just go to any school and watch some kids for a little bit. Why are people so mean? You know what I'm talking about. Just, just how humanity is. And evil is all around. How come the world is so confused about what is right? And what is wrong to the point where people don't even seem to know that this is up and this is down <laughs> or this is left or this is right i mean people are just so confused more confused than perhaps ever in the history of the earth why is that the case this parable really explains that you have good growing and you have bad growing at the same time how is it that basic truth honesty and reality what is really real uh, how is it that it's all been turned upside down and people don't know what is right, what is wrong, etc., things like this. Well, Second Timothy tells us, Paul told Timothy that in his days it would be like this. And just think about how bad in the 2,000 years since this was written it will be, and it is. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Sin's going to increase. They're going to be deceiving and being deceived. Some people have blinders on their eyes, and they don't know it. Kind of like uh, one of the other messages a few weeks ago that we talked about. Uh, people having their eyes open but not seeing. I mean, that's kind of like what that would be. Think about how things are getting worse. The world players are preparing for their anti-king, their anti-Christ. They're preparing for someone to solve all the problems of this world and they'll look to one person. All the governments, all the military, all the economy, all the religions of the world will at some point consolidate and say, this is our guy. 
This will take place in the tribulation, but we see the rumblings and we see the preparation of the earth for this moment. Globalism, the economy, military, governments, religion, all this consolidated in a tribulation time, and things are moving that direction right now. Here's a, a picture of Klaus Schwab. He is the uh, president of the World Economic Forum. Now, these are major players. They're billionaires and trillionaires. Leaders of governments, leaders of military are, are involved, uh, innovators, tech people, all these people. They get together, and if you go to their webpage, now you, now you have to sign in a little bit on some things. But uh, here's what he said uh, just two years ago. The pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world. And they talk about things like consolidating uh, food, consolidating uh, um, militaries, consolidating, you know, for peace, consolidating currency. There are countries today that are trying to get away from all cash, go cashless, go all digital. It's a lot easier for people to track and to know what you're doing, to know how you're living and what's valuable and important to you. And so all these people, commercial players and, and Hollywood people, all kinds of different People are all collaborating together. This isn't a conspiracy thing. You can go to their webpage and look at it. These are real people that you could go talk to, and they say, this is our plan to get the world all together. Now, here's the problem with this. Kind of like back in the Tower of Babel, you can read about that in Genesis. These people are trying to advance the earthly kingdom. Who's the prince of the power of the air? That's Satan. This is antithetical to, to God. It's against the Lord. It's anti-king, anti-God's kingdom. Christians are serving God, and God is the one who is advancing his heavenly kingdom. And that's part of the reason you're here today. You're interested in spiritual things. You want to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. So not only will we hear more and more evil in this world, you know, there's a lot of communication. We see things, this shooting here, this drug overdose there. These people were abducted over here. This war happening over there. We have communication where it seems like, oh, there's just so much things happening. There's a lot of things happening. But the evil itself is increasing in its wickedness. Evil men will wax worse and worse, grow worse and worse. Drug dealers and human trafficking and scams and assaults and hatred and fighting and stealing and cheating and killing will all continue to increase. I think it's wise to be street smart, to be able to defend yourself and to protect your family because the world is getting more and more evil. You say, how much more evil can we take? Well, the Bible says that this earth, the actual earth, is groaning for the day of redemption. That means when Christ comes back and resets everything the right way, the way that God intends to. So this is uh, the principles. Now, next would be the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. There's a rapture that we're looking forward to, 1 Corinthians 15, 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. I love the, the, the rapture. We're looking forward to this. When we meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Years ago, when I was driving a tractor back to the the farming agricultural illustration parable that Christ gives. I was driving a tractor, and we were returning this uh, kind of medium-sized tractor back to my uncle. He had a bunch of tractors, and so I was 14 or 15. I couldn't drive a pickup truck, and so we were driving down the road. Dad was in a pickup truck, you know, for licensings and things, and I was driving this, this tractor. At the end of this country road, going up a hill, going up a hill uh, to take a turn to the next road was a stop sign. Now, 
14, 15 years old, I mostly had driven tractors just plowing and, and going in straight lines on level ground. And so I had the tractor in the wrong gear. It was a gear too high to be able to start to accelerate after that stop. And so as I started to go, I hit the clutch, started to uh, press the gas, and the front end of that truck, or the, the, um, the tractor started to raise up. Now I'm already on an incline. It starts to raise up, kind of like at those uh, county fairs, you know, where they had those trucks rear up. It was doing that. 14, 15 years old, something like that. Out of nowhere, my dad flies through the air and jumps on the front of that tractor, balancing out the weight, hollering at me, let go of the clutch, let go of the clutch. Let, you know, put, or put it back in or whatever, whatever he was saying at that time to make it safe again. And uh, here's what the rapture is. Just like my dad flew out of nowhere to rescue me, Jesus comes back to rescue us so that we don't go through the seven years of tribulation. That's what it is. That's what he's doing. He's rescuing us. So we're looking forward to that trumpet sounding, and only Christians will hear this. Everyone else is going to look around like, where'd all these believers go? Where'd all these, these kids go who... The Bible indicates to us that they would go to heaven as well because they didn't have a chance to acknowledge him because they were too young to. So it's so important for us to be ready for the rapture. Be ready to meet Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. Uh, then, when we, uh, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. After the tribulation, then, there's a resurrection for tribulation saints who are persecuted to death by the Antichrist in Matthew 24, 31. He shall send his angels. This is what we just mentioned in the other passage. He'll send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. They shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. That's after the tribulation takes place. So there's another gathering that will happen. And then at the very end, the great white throne Judgment, Revelation 20, verse 12. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of the things which were written in the books according to their works. The whole reason these people are at the great white throne judgment is not because of their works. Their works are being judged. They're there because they said no to salvation through Jesus Christ. That's why they're there. Christians don't go to the great white throne judgment. We don't go there. We're already, we've already had those crowns we sung about to give back to Christ that we receive at the judgment seat of Christ. Principle next, then, is the harvest is near. The harvest is near. Every year, farmers do this. At the end of the season, they start to gather in whatever they planted. They get the fruit. They get the produce. We would do this as well. We'd get that uh, silver queen corn. We'd walk down each row. We'd have a big bushel basket. We'd take off this ear and this ear and this ear. Usually you had two or three ears of corn on each stalk. And then we'd take it up and we'd fill up a whole truck with all these bushel baskets. And we'd go and take one, two days, sometimes more, to suck that corn. We'd suck the corn, get it all ready. We'd freeze a lot of it. We'd eat a lot of it right there as well. A couple acres worth of that corn. And we never did this. We never did pull those weeds. Because at the harvest time, it's all done. But we would turn up the soil 
in all those weeds would die. There's a judgment that takes place in this harvest that Jesus speaks of. There's a gathering, a harvest in verse 40. The weeds and the tares are judged in the end for rejecting Jesus. The good seed, the Christians are rewarded by being with Jesus and being part of his heavenly kingdom. And they shine like the sun. I love that. Because they are with the Son of God. The Christian today must be living for God. Live for Christ. Share Jesus with others in your lifestyle and in how you talk. And and compel, encourage, challenge others with love and grace for them to believe the gospel as well. And at the same time, the world will continue to wax worse and worse. Non-Christians will live for this moment. They'll live for this world. They'll live because they're children of the anti-king at the moment. Matthew 24, 36, Jesus said, Of that day and hour, no man knoweth, no, not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. So we know the end. We just don't know when. I have one more story. Seattle's Superdome. Back in the day, for 24 years, this uh, kingdome was used for the Mariners and the Seahawks, and sometimes the Supersonics played back when the Supersonics were a team. And um, there was a Maryland-based controlled demolition team that was sent to demolish this structure back in the year 2000. They, they hired uh, this company out of Maryland to go, and it, they were going to implode this 25,000-ton building. You can see it right there. It's a huge coliseum. And it was remarkable about the measures they took to ensure that no one was hurt. They had experience with over 7,000 demolitions, and they knew how to protect people. Engineers checked and rechecked the structure many times. They sent people in to look. They looked in every closet. They looked in every uh, bathroom. They looked under everything, all the bleachers, everywhere they could. They, They sent people in to look to evacuate. Several blocks around the kingdom were evacuated. They put up ropes, they put up cones, they put up a loudspeaker, and a loudspeaker all around, all around, for miles around this place, about, about uh, the impending implosion that's going to take place. And they were very careful to keep warning and to keep warning, and on a moment's notice, they could even stop the demolition if they had to and not have that, have that trigger go off. They, they radioed to every person related to that event to take it down to make sure they were all far enough away everyone checked in all right they hit the button and it imploded they went to great lengths to warn to warn to warn danger danger destruction god has told us so many times so many times so many times he's warned us so many times so many times so many times judgment danger watch out Come to faith in Christ today. Believe the gospel for yourself. Christian, let's be real about our Christian life, to share Christ with others, because that raptured trumpet could sound at any moment. We know the end. We just don't know when. Let's take a moment and pray. Thank you for your good attention. Three questions as we uh, take some time to visit with the Lord. Do you know that you're a Christian? Do you know that you're born again? Have you trusted Christ? Sometimes we're religious or we're good people, but have you trusted Christ for yourself? Are you a Christian? Would you believe the gospel today? If you say, Pastor, I would like to know more about salvation. I want to know more about the finished work of Jesus paying the price for my sin. I don't have to keep working for my salvation. I'd like to know more about that. That's good news. 
Uh, is, is there anyone like that? Just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. I want to know more about salvation. Anybody at all? All right. Thank you. Next question. Christian, would you tell other people about Jesus? This week, is there someone that, that you know that you would love to share the gospel with, to, to tell others about the love of God, to give them the same warning? The rapture could happen soon. The end of the world, it would be a lot different. There's someone right now, Lord, help me to reach out to them. Give me a heart to tell other people and someone this week about Jesus. Anybody? I see some hands already. Yes, God bless you. Yes, yes. Are there others? Good. God bless you. Thank you. Last question. Would you live like a child of the heavenly kingdom? Live like a child of the king, not the anti-king. Live like a child of, of God in spite of all the wickedness around us. Why is the world the way that it is? Well, we know why. Bad seed, satanic influence, all happening at the same time as the good seed. Lord, help me to live like a child of the king. That's my prayer today. With all the temptations around us, I want to live like a child of Jesus Christ. God bless you. I see a lot of hands. Just raise your hand quickly. All right, take a moment and pray. Then I'll lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have revealed to us, Jesus showed us in these parables. These aren't hard to understand. You showed these disciples, and we can see it today, the way things are and the way things will be. Give us understanding hearts of how to apply these truths today, to share Christ, to share your love, to show others that we're children of the King of Kings. Lord, we pray if there's any without Christ, they've not yet believed the gospel for themselves, asking and expressing faith in Jesus, that they would do so today. Lord, thank you that you're the King of kings. We worship you today. We look forward to this rapture. We look forward to seeing you face to face. And so as we live through this, this life, Lord, let us not fall to temptation or to give up or to quit, but to keep looking up and keep living for you. Encourage each one now as we go, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being a part of our worship service today. I hope to see you next week. Let's pray for the VBS tonight. We look forward to seeing each of the students here for that. We can all stand and be dismissed. Have a great day. God bless.